0: Welcome to the Heart of Money podcast where we discuss the impact that money has on every area of your life and where you can learn to make smarter money decisions. Join our conversation as we discuss our past experiences, talk about how to make better money management choices, and in the end, make a commitment to being weird. Well, folks, we're back at it again with episode number 26 of the Heart of Money Podcast. I am your host, Austin Black, joined by Bob Wessler, here in just a few moments. And this week we are going to wrap up the series on the top five habits of wealthy people. We are going to discuss the the top or the, the habit today that we probably all know about, we've all talked about, but not many of us probably truly understand, and that is investing and assets. And what does it actually look like for a wealthy person? Because it's different than most other people think about. It's different than what most people do. So we're going to study that, we're going to evaluate that, we're going to discuss that concept, that habit today on how you can invest in assets. And this is kind of of our number five, because this is ultimately where your wealth is built. But if you don't have the other four steps, the four habits leading up to it, then you aren't going to do this effectively, productively, and consistently. So we're going to finish the series this week and talk about the, the methods, the reasons, the purpose behind this being a habit of wealthy people. So let's jump right into the conversation about the last habit that wealthy people employ. mm mm-hmm. So Bob, number five, this is probably one of yours and my, I'm, I'm assuming it's one of our favorites. I know that I tend to uh, put a lot of emphasis on this and it's kind of the encapsulating habit uh, of you know, wealthy people, they invest in assets. Hmm. Can you uh, clarify what you mean by assets? So what do you mean? From what I have gathered, from what I have heard, what I believe myself, an asset would be something that grows in value, whether it be physical Mm. or not, something that grows in value. Okay.
1: So the 18 cars I have in my garage aren't assets. They're not 18. I might have 18. Well,
0: if you have an antique, that does grow in value. Mm, I just need to hold on to him longer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I okay. love the this I don't know if this was a saying or just a comment or <clears throat> what the what the framing of this was. And uh, I, think, I think that Dave Ramsey said this a while back that wealthy people invest in things you can't see. Well, normal people spend money on things that you can see. Okay. So like, you know, you you look at the nice house and the nice car and the nice vacation and the nice clothes and the nice watch and the going out to eat all those things that people can see you doing is what a normal person spends money on. But someone who is building wealth, they put on social media. Exactly. Someone who's building wealth is putting money into investments and real estate, which obviously you can see real estate, but you don't know who owns it. Um, they're, they're putting money into just the bank into cash that they're not going to touch until they retire. So that you're never going to see them actually spend it for 30, 40 years. You know, they are putting money into stuff that grows, but isn't visible, isn't seen by their peers.
1: And, And the other smart aspect of that is they're not sharing that they're doing that. Um, I think that goes back to the idea of, you know, that's anti-social media, (laughs) you know, the the society we live in that's marketing to got to have this, got to have that immediate gratification and investing is not one of those things. It is the antithesis of spending. Yes. Spending, you're consuming, investing, you're delaying for a later, um, Enjoyment, we'll put it that way. Uh, The reason I said something about assets specifically was if we're looking at this as to stock market investing, bonds, stocks, uh, CDs, you made the comment of cash. I think that's where that's the reason we put education first uh, because it helps you decipher where you need to put that money. And I know you were going to touch on this, but the majority of, if not all millionaires, all is a little bit too encompassing, but the majority of millionaires put their money in a 401k. And the great thing about 401ks is that it is dollar cost averaging. You buy it, set it and forget it. You buy it, When the market's high, you buy it when the market's low, but you're not actively engaged in the buying and selling. It's automatically set up for you. And the people that do that and leave it alone are much better off than the people that actively play the stock market. Um, In fact, one of the books that I just finished reading, I want to tie these two together from this standpoint was um, they took a certain fund and the people that were involved in the fund through a 401k that steadily purchased uh, through the plan had a better return than what the fund itself advertised as Mm -hmm. its return. Wow. The people that invested in it on their own, where they were putting money in and taking money out of their accord actually did, I want to say, they had returns of 40% of what the um, fund advertised. And the reason for the difference was they were buying when things were good and they were selling when things were bad. Mm -hmm. So they were doing the opposite of what you're told to do with investing of buy low, sell high, which -hmm. is where everybody that's in a 401k – has the benefit of they're buying regardless of what the price is and th- it's doing a better job for them by setting it and forgetting it than the people that are actively investing because the myth that you can time the market is absolutely <laughs> heinous. Right. And it's one of those myths that you're going to lose a lot of money by playing it that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the investing, the thing that I got out of the conversation that was had a couple weeks ago was most millionaires earn a lot of their wealth by participating in a
0: 401k. Absolutely. That you, you got your 401k, you got your Roth IRA, you got just your standard mutual funds. Um, you know, there's some people that they do that kind of play that stock market a little bit, but you're right. The, excuse me, the benefit of that 401k is you're consistently every single paycheck. You're putting money in the market. You're letting it grow. You're letting it sit there. You're letting it make money for you. Um, I remember it's probably been about two years ago now. Um, we were putting, we, we invest money every single month into my daughter's college funds, their 529s. And, at this point, the market was not great. I mean, we were, we were, frankly, we were getting a loss on the account. You know, it was, it was losing money. We were still putting money in there every single month. And I was kind of getting some, some ideas from my advisor on, hey, you know, how much we put in there, what's this market doing, you know, what's the best way to, to make this work for us? He goes, well, you're doing the exact thing you need to do. You're putting money in every single month. Because that consistency allows us to take advantage of the market wherever it goes up or down for the next 15, 18 years. And same thing with your 401k, regardless of what the market is doing at that moment, if you're in the market, you're going to make money if you stay in the market. It's whenever you stop being in the market or you pull out of the market, that's when you take your loss. And yeah, I mean, there's, you know, Dave's done studies, there's been books published that consistently investing in whatever vehicle you choose is number one, but that 401k by a majority of, of millionaires is kind of their vehicle to attain that. Um, I think it's important that we, uh, we note, what difference, and and we're going to dig into actually more of this in next week's episode, just the investing mindset. But I think it's important that as we talk about what wealthy people do, we kind of highlight some of those asset categories, or so those asset opportunities, especially for people who aren't real comfortable, or maybe, maybe they don't have a 401k, maybe they aren't big into investing, maybe they want to have, something they can physically see this is where my money is going um, so l- let's talk about some of those uh, those actual assets that people can can invest in
1: and I'm I'm gonna leave that one to you because I'm thinking more along the lines of investments as far as stock and you know outside, one of the things I was going to touch on outside of the 401k is like you said, people don't have a 401k. The, the real key there is the automatic investing. Yeah. The set it and forget it mindset. Um, but I'm now intrigued on the other things because real estate comes to mind, but you know, my 18 hot wheels in the garage, <laughs> that that's not an asset. So, um, I, I want to hear this list of of assets that you're talking about that you can see
0: that's not real estate. Well, I mean, one thing I think of is an actual business. Um, you know, I know some people and <clears throat> this is going to be more, um, effective if you already have some of the wealth built up, you know, if you have some money saved up and you want to reinvest it back into it. But I also believe that if you want to build your wealth, some of the, of the wealthiest people are people that started their own business and they use that business to grow their wealth, to grow their portfolio, um, to make them money. Um, you know, I've heard, you know, there's the, I think it's who's, who says this, um, it might be Warren Buffett. It might not be. So I'm not going to quote it exactly, but it's, it says something about the only way to um, to either not have to work or become rich or whatever the case is, is to make your money or to make money while you're sleeping. Yeah. I'm really messing it up, but you get the concept. You know, the only way to really get rich is to make money while you're sleeping. So a business opportunity, I think, is, is one. Um, you know you've got the um real estate is one of those things that it's kind of an animal <laughs> and and you you can have you know you, you can have the commercial you can have the residential you can have you know like some people just like to go out and buy land um you know so there there's a there's a wide variety to that um i do think that like you know if you look at these um, collectible items. You know, a lot of people. You know, they have the the antique cards or they have you know, maybe it's jewelry, or maybe it's coins, maybe it's stamps. You know, something that, um, the the novelty of it for a certain audience. Obviously, it's not going to be for every person because mm-hmm. there's that correlation to it. Um, you know that you can have some of those assets. I think I know. You know, like gold and silver is not, not a a highly encouraged investment because it's a volatile commodity Um, you know some of those elements so I I would say the real estate the business opportunities and then those collectible um, novelty uh, investments are probably the things that come to mind for me
1: so my nft of um, (laughs) uh, twitter man's first tweet that I bought for $44 million that's now only worth $14,000? you are saying that's not a valid investment?
0: Well, whenever it goes back up, I guess it would be. It, it would <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I'm just going to go with the thought process because you talked about collectibles. Um, and I'm going to rain on your parade on all of those. Sorry. Um, not sorry. Because there's another side of that. For, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Uh, collectibles are only going to be worth what somebody else is willing to pay for them. Exactly. And, you know, the NFTs, um, non-fungible tokens, if if you're not familiar with those, that's the new world that we're coming into with Web3 and the metaverse and all that good stuff. That We'll see where that goes. Um, someday we'll we'll have a conversation on that. But just the idea that this guy put down a ton of money on how many words? Maybe like four words. I don't even know how many characters were in the first tweet, but spent a horrible amount of money, in my opinion, wasted. And now he's trying to resell it and it's worth $14,000 or somebody's willing to pay $14,000 for the something that he spent $44 million on. Um Another example, the Tom Brady last <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> football, last touchdown. Um he spent a whole lot of money getting that ball thinking it was gonna be Tom Brady's last touchdown <clears throat> ball. And I guess he's gotten some uh gotten some money back on that one. I don't know if that was directly through Tampa Bay or Tom Brady or who, but um I think Tom Brady made good on that one. But you know, those are those are the exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um a Hannes Wagner baseball card. You know, if you've got one that has survived four generations of, uh, usually males in your family, your great grandpa had it and, uh, you're selling it now. Those things are only getting older and they're deteriorating. Um, artwork. Something to me about artwork is that is its own, own animal. Yeah. Um, and, and the great finds are the, the antique roadshows where, you know, you get this random scribbled drawing that you buy for two bucks at a garage <laughs> sale or, uh, you know, whatever. And it turns out being a $65,000 piece of art. Good old pawn stars. Exceptions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and where they made their money was in the people visiting their store uh-huh. and the advertising that went into it, you yep. know? So, yeah, you know, that's where the real money was. Right. So collectibles, you've got a niche market.
0: Um, and that would be my last choice out of those three, purely for someone who <laughs> yeah. knew that market, who was passionate about it, and who was willing to hang on until the right person came along, because you're exactly right. It's, it's only yeah. worth what someone's willing to pay for it.
1: And more than likely, you're going to have to have more money to purchase that thing than somebody that doesn't have a good income, good wealth base already. Right. So that's for somebody that's more likely to play with their money than somebody that's trying to create wealth. Um, I think the people that try to create wealth through that avenue, through real estate, and I'm not going to be an expert on real estate because you know Dave made and lost money there. Um, but I also want to touch on the building your own business. It's not something that you go in saying, I'm doing this because I'm going to be rich. Right. What is it? 70 to 90% of businesses fail 75% in the first year, 90% within 10 years. Um, don't quote me on those figures. That's just what I've been pulling out of my head. Cause that's what I recall. Um, but you don't go into business for yourself with the intention of getting rich, you go into business for yourself because you're fulfilling a dream. You're fulfilling a purpose. You're doing something that you think you can do better than somebody else is already doing. Um, you've created a, again, niche market for a product or a service that somebody else isn't providing. Um, and you're going to gain margin on that. Yeah. Again, it takes capital. It takes money to do that which is why they, those didn't come to mind for me first because those tend to be something where you have seed money somebody's investing in you um or you have money that you've already not created but already um gained at some point previously where if we have somebody listening to this podcast and they have they have very few means but they have a job and they have the opportunity to invest in a 401k or a 403b or at least a Roth, anything where they can say, hey, I can put 10 bucks a month into an account every month and it's going to buy X because now you can buy fractional shares of stuff. Yep. Uh, again, something that we didn't have 20 years ago uh, were these online investing where, you know, back then you bought full shares, you had to make a phone call, you had a contract, all that stuff. Right. Now you've got the, Signing of the disclosures, and you put in a hundred bucks, and you're good to go with buying pieces of shares of companies. And again, my thought process would be that you want mutual funds where you're owning multiple companies rather than singular stocks. Um, Just the everyday person that is tuning into this podcast can say, I can do that for ten bucks a month or a hundred bucks a month, or you know, the max that you can put in a IRA is $6,000 divide that by the 12 months. You've got that much that you can put on a monthly basis. If you have no other investment vehicle. Um, I I pulled this one from a book too the, the Chinese proverb that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. (laughs) And the next best time is right now that, you know, you could have been doing this. If you're now in your early to mid thirties or early to mid fifties, and you haven't done this yet, start today or start tomorrow, depending on what you're when you're listening to this. If it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, you could probably still call it today. <laughs> 10 o'clock at night, probably start it tomorrow. But start looking at ways that you can take the money that you are building in your income and move it towards investing so it makes more money for you later. And do it automatically. Do it so that it mm-hmm. is coming out of your paycheck pre your post tax um if you are working for yourself there's you should have a good either CPA or advisor or both you probably have a CPA for one but an advisor on top of that on what to do for yourself your company um your employees to have the best benefits for them um whether it be financial insurance uh, Whatever the case may be, a lot of CPAs, a lot of advisors can do that for you. Um, But make sure that you're investing continuously and regardless of where the market is. Because like you said, the losses are only going to come when you take your money out. Um, That investment might not be worth as much today as it was six weeks ago. Six months from now, it might be worth double. Um, We don't know but that's the reason that you invest it is because there should be an opportunity for growth. And it's why you want to go with a mutual fund over an individual stock because most stocks don't do as well as a standard index. Um, Again, that's another conversation for another day. Um, But just the idea of investing is you want to do it continuously, automatically without any thought other than when you can increase what you're putting into that investment vehicle.
0: Absolutely. And that's going to be
1: my uh, two and a half cents on it. Worth one. <laughs> yes. With a one and a half discount.
0: <laughs> yes. Very well said. Um, I think that the thing that I want to leave folks with on this whole topic of habits of wealthy people, I guess there's two things. <clears throat> Number one, Bob, you and I, we, ha- we have not attained what we would consider wealth yet, I believe. I mean, <clears throat> we're on our way. We're implementing all the practices that, that we talked about these last two weeks, and we, we are doing what we talked about because we have seen other people do it. We have heard of other people doing it, and we understand that this is the path to accomplish that. But you and I are still on this journey to ourselves. Um, so there's very likely going to be things that we will learn as we go that we can share with our audience um, and continue learning together. So that that's, that's one thing. The second thing is, you know, we laid out the last two weeks, we laid out five things that are very unique, are very different, but are also very um, precise and specific. And like you said, last week you can do, All five of these in whatever order, you know, it's not like there's a set proven standard or formula or guideline. You and I kind of put together what we have seen or heard other people do. We put a numerical order to it based upon what made sense logically. And I believe that you probably do have to start with one or two before you can hit four and five just because that's what common sense tells you. But for folks who are going, okay, this is a lot. I'm just starting out. And I don't know what the next 30, 40 years is going to look like for me. Here's here's my advice. Here's my suggestion to you. Number one, in order to accomplish one, two, and three that we talked about last week, save more than you spend, plan, set goals, and delay gratification. In order to accomplish those three things, you need to have someone to keep you accountable, to support you, to guide you, to motivate you. Whether that be a financial coach like myself and Bob, whether that be your spouse, whether that be another accountability partner, someone that can help you get started in the right path to make all that happen. That's number one. Secondly, then, once you have that groundwork in place and you have someone that is guiding you through that, then it's the time to expand your horizons to start learning, to start growing, to start educating yourself beyond that. And that's where Bob said, you know, the financial advisor and the CPA folks who who had the experience to take your situation and your <clears throat> your behaviors and your habits, right? That that you're now developing and make them build wealth for you. I strongly encourage everyone out there to find an advisor who wants to teach you, who thoroughly understands your personal situation and your goals and doesn't just want to put your money into the fund that's going to make them the most commission. I'm not saying that all advisors do that because I, I know some outstanding advisors that really care about your portfolio. But you got you to gotta be sure that you find the right one. <clears throat> but finding that advisor that's going to help you do this, that's going to give you the confidence, that's going to educate you, keep you growing, Those are the people you need in your life in order to make this happen. You're probably not going to do it on your own, but you're going to be involved in the process the entire way. So find that coach, find that accountability partner, find that advisor. Those people are going to be the people that will help you implement this consistently and effectively starting today. What's your thoughts, Bob?
1: Oh, I could have said it better myself, but I didn't. So I think that's an excellent way to wrap this up. And, uh, you bring out the point of, of, the advisor. I think somebody that you, like you said that you have, that you're doing the right thing. Somebody that can, you, you can use as a sounding board that keeps you, dare I say, on the straight and narrow when you're not sure yourself, you have somebody that you can confide in or rely on, um, to help you stay the course, and that piece could be a whole nother episode, as far as uh, what an advisor does and and what type of advisor you want and what to look for, what to look out for. Um, but being able to stay the course and knowing what your goals are. Um, again, we're not saying do all five today, but you need to start somewhere. And I was really surprised you didn't start with a budget. Um, <laughs> because none of this is possible without a budget. And I will tell you, um, you know, Austin makes it sound like we're good at what we do from a uh, money spending and saving and advising standpoint uh, with this podcast. But i tell you that, like he said, we're growing. I don't have it all figured out. Um, delayed gratification. I struggle with um, budget unaccounted purchases. I struggle with, we've talked about how I've tried to make that better. Um, But it's a continuous process, and don't try to take all five down at once. Um, (laughs) I I go back to start with a budget, start figuring out where your money's going, tell your money where you want it to go versus it flying off, um, here one day, gone the next second. Um, You got to have a good financial picture, know where you are to be able to tell what your next step needs to be um, in order to follow these five habits.
0: Absolutely. and Bob, what a great way to merge into um, our conversation that we're gonna have next week. Uh, let's just say that if you like hearing about investments, but you're not sure if it's right for you, tune in next week. we We have a very, in my opinion interesting conversation coming down the pipeline of investing and who's it for? who's it not for? Um, you're gonna want to tune in. I'll just leave it at that. But a, a great transition to talk more about that next week. Fantastic. All right, brother. We'll see you then. All right. Have a good one. Well, folks, another great conversation. And you know, as we were recording this, uh, we we mentioned that next week we're, we're going to have the investment conversation. But since we split this up after the fact, that's actually going to be in two weeks. I've got a special surprise coming next week. So be sure and come back next week and the week after as we uh, dive into this investment conversation with a very, very unique perspective and, and commentary on that. But I hope that you enjoyed this series. I hope that you learned how wealthy people build their wealth, the fundamentals, the tactical approaches, the long-term practices that are necessary in order to accomplish wealth, in order to actually create a financial security and future for your family. We're always glad to have your input. So please leave a, a rating and a review of this podcast. Let us know what you enjoy about what you want to see us do in the future. We love having you be a loyal listener. So thank you so much, listening to The Heart of Money. Join us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube to be a part of the conversation there as well. And we'll see you again next week.